today's episode, we're joined by Stephen Porter. Stephen is the owner of UBA Media. And Stephen, thank you so much for being a guest. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and what you do? Yeah, thanks for having me. So my company is UDA Media. We are a full service media production facility. So we do basically everything from photography, video production. We do a lot of work with drones. Uh, and also I take advantage of my background as a musician to do music production and audio engineering. And, you know, we actually met on Reddit, which is crazy ridiculous. I've, uh, you're my first guest uh, from Reddit. Uh, and I really, really think it's so cool that we met digitally through this pandemic. And uh, how we met is that you actually commented and gave me a lot of really cool insight on some drone footage that I posted. So you really showed me that you're like an expert and you knew what you were talking about. Um, have you found that you've met other people like that? Absolutely. I think the way that the way that our conversation first started was very much from a place of, you know, you posted something and looked pretty fantastic. Just wanted to throw that out there. But there was an issue that you wanted some advice on and, you know, wanted to kind of see what the community thought about it. And I've actually met several people that way and have continued conversations for, for months now uh, with people that I would now consider friends that I've met on forums just because we start a conversation about, you know, they post a video and they want some feedback for the color. And then we start talking about lighting and then we talk about cameras. And then one guy in particular even bought about a $10,000 camera on my recommendation. And I've been teaching him how to use it because it's the same one that I have. So it's been really cool to see how, how small a world can get when you start taking advantage of a lot of the technologies that I think a lot of people in my industry don't take that seriously, uh, using forums as a, a great place to continue education after film school, even through all the experiences we have on productions. There's always so much you can learn from other people who are in similar situations. And especially when you find people who are further along in their careers or who have had different experiences than what I've had, um, you know, there's always so much you can gain from other people. Yeah. And really what this conversation today is going to be focused on is around this continued education that you seem to hold yourself uh, up to like a certain standard to educate yourself to. And the technological resources that you have and you upkeep in order to bring uh, them to the public. So uh, with that being said, Stephen, what would you say is your purpose with your business and how do you strive to achieve that? So the purpose behind what I do, um, being a, a young entrepreneur, self-employed person, uh, I have a really strong desire to help other people who are trying to start businesses as well. I was extremely fortunate to have you know, great mentorship from not only teachers in school, but also from several friends and colleagues in the industry who really took me under their wing and showed me the ropes as I was getting started. So one of the biggest things that I try to do is find other small businesses that are starting out. Maybe they need help with something. Maybe they're doing great and they just want to take their marketing stuff to the next level. So I try to come in at a price point that is able to make a big impact on the small businesses in my area while also offering enough, you know, sort of uh, upsell upgrade features to where people can really take it to the next level if they want to. Um, so I guess that's a lot of what I do. And that's a lot of why I stay active, as we were talking about before, on community forums and things like that, just because I had such an unfair advantage, I guess, uh, because a lot of people were willing to reach down and, and help me out and help me up when I was getting started. And I feel a really strong um, desire to help do that for others. You know, that's really funny you say that because I feel the exact same way. I 
was really lucky to fall uh, in the company of a couple of really strong mentors. Um, my brother, my older brother being the first of those. Uh, and as I moved through school, through career, I was able to get to know others. And I was given this kind of community field that I feel like I have to give back. That's a really strong purpose. I really appreciate you saying that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and with that being said, who would you say are some of your stakeholders? And I would love to get started with your uh, mentors, if you're comfortable sharing more about them. So. A couple of mentors that that got me started, especially when I was in high school is when I, it really began, you know, music and photography and later video production have been hobbies of mine since seventh and eighth grade. I would shoot all these terrible short films with my friends in school and uh, just absolute disasters. But we had a lot of fun, learned a lot of what not to do. And, uh, you know, really, I, I cherish those early terrible movies and I still watch them sometimes, even though I tell everyone that I deleted them. Um, but especially getting in through high school, that's when things started to take off. And I realized, hey, maybe this is actually something that I could do professionally. Maybe, you know, it's been a great hobby for many years, but I love it. There's a need for it in, in the marketplace out there. And if it's something that I can leverage and make a career out of, that's my dream job. So starting off in high school, uh, I went to High Tech High North County, uh, which is absolutely phenomenal in every possible way. I can't say enough good things about that place. And my media teacher there, Anna Petrick, uh, she was one of the biggest inspirations that I had uh, because in her classes, that was the first time that I really started to see myself as not just a hobbyist, but someone that actually had something of substantial value that other people really appreciate that makes a difference for other people and something that I could ultimately monetize at some point. Uh, so she kind of saw that, I guess, fire start in me. And she got me a couple of amazing internships. Um, one of them, uh, there were actually two internships uh, over the course of two summers uh, late in my high school years, uh, both with the same person, but he had changed jobs in, in between. And what started out as doing corporate videos for an online uh, sort of internet safety series made for kids that were played in, in elementary schools and stuff about, you know, don't give away your your address to strangers on the internet and stuff like that later turned into shooting commercials for Verizon wireless. We did a whole bunch of commercials for a uh, really high end uh, knee brace company, uh, Don joy orthopedics. And uh, fun fact, I later injured my knee and used a Don joy orthopedics brace for a long time. Uh, but anyway, it, it was my first experience getting onto legitimate real sets, you know, using really high end equipment with a phenomenal director of photography. His name's Ian Arority. Um, he is the one that I interned under and he kind of jump started my career at that next level because that was my first time working, as I said, on really nice professional sets. You know, the, the camera that we were shooting on was actually the exact same camera that was used to film Iron Man and a whole bunch of other Hollywood movies as uh, a red one Mysterium X, which I think is the coolest name ever for a camera. But anyway, that was, that was sort of the, my first taste of working in the real legitimate professional industry. And my current business partner's name's Shane Mitchell. He owns the studio that we share. And he was the person that got me introduced to more of the business side of what I was doing. I sort of muddled through doing business stuff and hated it just because it enabled me to do video production professionally. But the way that we partnered up, uh, he's sort of taken over the business work for both of us. And I've taken over the media production work for both of us. 
And it's been an incredibly fruitful uh, relationship. We work really, really well together. And um, yeah, it's been absolutely fantastic working with Shane. That's awesome. And you're not the first person I've heard say that you're the uh, X side of the business. And then there's a separate person that's the business person of the business. Uh, It's really cool dynamic that I see so often happen. I appreciate you diving into your mentorship so far and how they've helped to get to where you you want to go. And can you tell us a little bit more about some of your other stakeholders that you interact with? So my stakeholders are primarily the people who I, of course, associate with on a regular basis. Um, Several clients, including local businesses uh, and some larger businesses that I'm fortunately able to be connected with and working with them. Um, And that spans primarily the, you know, consumer goods markets. So a couple of different companies that do, you know, consumer products into commercial products. Uh, Largest client at the moment, well, one of the largest anyway, is uh, Hunter Industries. They do irrigation products, uh, landscaping, outdoor lighting products. So we do a lot of their marketing content. We do almost all of their video production. Uh, There's another individual who is absolutely fantastic. I've worked with them many times and really enjoy working with them. Uh, But we sort of share, um, depending on the location and and other logistical uh, factors, we share the work of Hunter Industries. Um, in terms of non-clients, uh, I'm very fortunate to be able to have some great friends in the industry, and I routinely subcontract work out to you know friends that I've had for years, and it's really awesome because we work great together. I know them really well. Um, so a couple of notable people that I outsource to a lot: uh, my good friend Rocky. Um, I've known him for like like six years now, and he is a great photographer and camera operator. So we often share work if we have larger video shoots where we need multiple people operating cameras. We'll have myself, Shane, Rocky, a couple of other people as well that we call on frequently uh, running multiple cameras. Uh, My good friend Kayla, uh, who I've known for about as long, she is a phenomenal writer. Uh, So a lot of times when we get projects that are just a little too much to handle all for uh, as one person um, or as a small team that we have here in the studio, I outsource a lot of the creative writing work to her and send her scripts for voiceovers and such for uh, editorial. So it sounds like uh, developing media, it's a lot of kind of like, not freelance work, but you do have kind of project-based work that goes and people come kind of in and out of your stakeholder uh, direct contact group. Is that a good way to put it? It is. So we, we obviously strive to do as much on a recurring basis as possible. Um, so for example, Hunter Industries, I've been doing their video production work since 2017, I believe. And then we have a couple of other clients that come in on a very regular basis, one of which that I unfortunately can't talk about because it's under NDA, but I've been doing stuff for them for many, many years. And it's it's really awesome to have people that come in frequently because you get to build those relationships and really get a better sense of what it is that they want out of their projects. But there's also a great deal of work that's individual things. So we get you know small businesses that are launching a new product or open a new location, and we come in and do you know quick video shoot talking about where their their new retail place or their new warehouse or whatever it may be. Um, so it's it's a healthy mix of both, and I enjoy both products, uh, both types of projects, both types of clients. But generally speaking, we do prefer long-term just because it's a better relationship that we can build off of and help each other for years to come. 
Yeah, and from a business perspective, it always costs far more to get new customers than to keep the ones you already have. Absolutely, 100% right. So one of the great things about having repeat clients is I know, for example, when I get an email from a client that I've worked with many times before, I, I can go into that first conversation with them um, for the new project with a really solid understanding of the types of projects that we do for them. You know, I have all this background information so that informs my decisions of how I guide the conversation, what suggestions I might make. I already have a pretty good idea of what the end product will look like because I've done a lot of their work before. Um, so that's a huge advantage. However, there's also something to be said for the sort of excitement of working with a new client. And you know, you always learn new things when you do different types of projects. So um, great example of that is I recently did a advertisement for Hardcore Fitness, and it was my first time doing a uh, a workout, you know, gym ad, and it was crazy because so much of what I had done leading up to then, uh, recently at that time at least was technical information for corporate video production and things like that. Um, you know, talking about the features and specifications of a new model of product for, for the irrigation industry or for, you know, doing cloudcasts that are all about business topics and things like that. So all of a sudden we got people like flinging these huge weights around and doing crazy acrobatic stuff and all that. And I was like, dang, this is fun. I like this. So it's nice to, to kind of expand your horizons working with new clients that you haven't done before. and taking a different approach to your work. Yeah, that sounds really cool. And uh, I bet it's also exciting to use new technologies with these clients, right? Because as the time change, I'm sure you have to upgrade to provide the highest quality content. Can you tell us a little bit more about how uh, your team keeps up with all of this? Yeah, for sure. So uh, a great example of some recent advances that we've made is uh, within the last three years or so, we switched over from using standard video cameras to cinema grade cameras. So rather than shooting things that have sort of your, your classic, you know, television look or advertisement look, uh, they're, they're full blown motion picture movie cameras. Um, so we get a, a very different way of working with them on set. Um, it delivers a very different type of image quality, not that it's necessarily better or worse, but it's something that kind of distinguishes us from a lot of the competition in our area. Um, another great example is through partnering up with uh, Shane from Cypher Studios. Uh, he's been a drone pilot for many, many years. And he's actually the reason that I became a drone pilot. He taught me to fly. He pushed me to get my FAA certification and all that. So that's been a huge uh, asset to a lot of my clients and indeed to my own work, just because it enables me a completely new perspective and a lot of new technologies that we can offer to new clients um, in completely unrelated industries that I'd worked in before. Uh, but utilizing that technology that I use for, you know, video production work, I can now do work on construction sites, doing 3D mapping and surveying of their sites uh, using drones. And I think the last major advancement that I'd like to mention is uh, we're using technology for virtual production in our studio now, which is very similar to, well, on a surface level, it's very similar to green screens that have been used for many, many years for uh, video production, visual effects, for special effects in movies and things like that. But the thing that differentiates virtual production from simply using a green screen is rather than just having a static image in the background or, or a video clip that loops in the background, uh, we actually generate full 
3D environments that the set lives within. So as the camera moves, you get realistic motion of the background. The background uh, changes perspective as the, as the camera moves and it all happens live. So that is still a work in progress. Um, we've done a couple of fairly successful tests uh, where that's not quite ready to hit the market yet. Um, but we will be one of the first, if not the first studios in the San Diego area to officially offer full virtual production with uh, real-time rendering so that there's essentially no special effects work after the shoot. It's all done live in the camera as we shoot. And that is absolutely insane to me. And I think that you have so much going on in your business and you have so many different uh, types of uh, content that you create. How do all of these people and teams work together to create a comprehensible uh, product? Sure. So that all comes down to pre-production. And this is something that for many years I didn't put enough emphasis into. And I learned recently, well, I say recently, I mean within the last two to two to three years, uh, how critically important it is to prepare well in advance and and get the right people to do the, to do the jobs that you need them to do. And the the problems that you run into when you ignore pre-production are you know, you, you show up on set and you realize that there's a shot that you need to get and you need to show the whole inside of a building, but you don't have a wide angle lens with you or the camera that you brought isn't compatible with the, with the wide angle lens in your kit. Um, another example would be you, you have your budget that's provided by the client and you start working on the project and then suddenly you realize, wow, okay, we're going we're to be shooting for five days. I thought it was going to take three and suddenly your calendar is a mess and you've gone over budget and no one's happy about that. So a lot of what comes into enabling the technologies that we're using now is exceptional levels of preparation uh, from, from everyone involved. And that often starts with meetings, you know, months in advance of, of anyone even thinking about touching a camera where we go over exactly what's going to happen. You know, we find reference material that represents what the client is looking for in their end, in their end product. And we kind of work backwards from that. We say, okay, so you like that this video was shot out in nature. Okay, so we know that we're either going to be shooting on location or we're going to have to set up a virtual production. And we look into which of those is more economical, which one makes more sense, um, which one provides the look that the client wants. We then go from, okay, so you want to shoot outdoors, so we need to find a location for it. Let's see, you know, where can we go where we either don't need permits or where we're familiar with the permitting process and we can know that we're doing things, you know, in compliance with our local regulations and such. Uh, do things safely, especially now that we're in the COVID season, um, you know, where we're allowed to shoot, where we can do so with adequate distance between crew members to make sure that no one's getting sick on set and things like that. Um, and, and the last part of that is, preparing the technology in advance, doing tests well in advance of exactly the setups that will be used. Um, I can't tell you how many times, well, I could, but I don't want to tell you how many times uh, early on in my career, I would just assume that something is going to work a certain way. Uh, I would get an update or a new piece of equipment that has a certain feature. And I say, oh, great, I can use this now. And I immediately advertise it and I immediately get a job and I'm expected to use it. And I show up and I realize that I've never actually pushed that button before and it doesn't do what I think it does. So uh, some things like that have been issues in the past, but that's why, you know, you learn from those experiences. And that's why by the time we get into production these days, 
we've already had months of experience doing exactly that process because we test it rigorously uh, before we ever show up on set or before anyone else ever comes into the studio. Yeah, it's really cool. It's kind of cool that all these new technologies have um, are kind of tamed with old concepts of being prepared. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, it's amazing how much of that persists where uh, you can have the latest and greatest of everything. But if, if you didn't test it, if you didn't set it up right, um, you know, if you didn't push the right button, it's, it's amazing how quickly things can go wrong. Absolutely. And Stephen, I like to ask this question to every one of my guests because I think it gives such interesting responses. Um, there's this concept uh, called the separation fallacy. And it's basically the false belief that a good business decision can possibly make for a good ethical decision and vice versa. Ethical decisions can possibly make for good business decisions. Now, do you, do you think that this is actually a fallacy that the society has been convinced wrongly of this, or do you think that this might be true more often than not? Well, I think that we have plenty of examples that demonstrate both sides of that. Um, you get the, the classic, you know, evil mega corporation that, that hates the environment and wants to, you know, burn down the rainforests and all for, for their profit. Um, and I think a lot of that is painted in a strongly biased and negative light, not all of it, but I think that there's a lot of, uh, sort of hostility against large companies and the actions that they take, because a lot of people may not understand the situations that companies find themselves in or the, the full scale of the impact of their decisions. Um, but I think the opposite is also true. Um, I think that there have been plenty of times where myself as a very small company, uh, just myself, a handful of independent contractors and my business partner, um, you know, we find ourselves in the, in the position to give back more than a larger company might be able to. Um, and that's simply because, well, to a certain extent, we don't really care. Uh, <laughs> I'm, when when things are going pretty well, unfortunately, they have been going pretty well, um, all things considered in the last year or so, you know, we decided that there's a lot of people hurting in our industry. So we're like, you know what, let's just do something about it. In our local area, we've had something like, um, I, I forget the number at the time, but this is what was going through my head around April of last year was, you know what, I've seen so many posts on Facebook groups for for our local business owners of saying, hey, today's our last day, you know, we're, we're closing up the shop. If anyone needs, you know, mannequins from my clothing store, pick them up. <laughs> and it's heartbreaking to see that partly because I know that that could be me. Uh, and partly because I know that these are people who are in many ways, a lot like me. And even if I don't know them, even if I've never been to their store, I, you know, it hurts to, to see other people hurting. So we decided to just say, you know what, we're going to set aside 10 grand. And it's basically an open grant. Anyone who applies for it can get $1,000 worth of video production services, which uh, this was before a recent price increase. So that got you quite a lot <laughs> at our studio. And I think that there are many, many, many other companies that are doing similar things and indeed far beyond what we're in a position to do. So it comes down to the mindset of the people behind the company and the company's ability to act on those those good intentions or bad intentions. Um, that was a very long way of saying, no, I do not believe that that is always true. I don't think that a good business decision is necessarily a bad moral decision. Um, I think that a lot of times it gets painted that way, but there are 
definitely counterexamples of both. And I think if you if you look for it, you'll find more counterexamples than you might expect. No, I think that was a very uh, good way of answering that. I appreciate you diving into the details. And if you don't mind, would you be able to give us uh, the results of that grant program and how it did? Yeah. So we ended up giving away all 10,000 um, and it worked out pretty much exactly on the dot what we were thinking of. Um, so some of it was taken by by friends and colleagues of mine. Um, uh, one uh, music coach who went to school with me, we studied at UCSD together. Uh, a couple of his uh, students as well, and then several other just miscellaneous, you know, random local businesses, you know, farmers market people that I would run into and say, "Hey, you you do pretty good stuff. Do you, you want an advertisement?" And we would just shoot a video on the spot. There was one day I brought a camera with me to a farmers market and cranked out like eight videos in one day. But it's it, it's the it's a sense of community and bringing people together and doing something bigger than yourself, and that's really what drove it. So we ended up creating, I think, 15 videos in total, uh, which we'd only planned for doing 10, but it worked out that way and there was some interest. So yeah, I'm, I'm really, really proud of how that came out. Yeah, it sounds like an absolutely great initiative. And, and Stephen, I really want to thank you for being a guest on the podcast. You've taken time out of your day to come and uh, give us your insight into media and content creation. And before we sign off, do you have any final thoughts? No, I think we covered pretty much everything. Thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. And thank you very much for uh, being a guest. And I'll see the rest of my listeners in the next episode.